everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Those of you tuning in online, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trey Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We're glad that you joined us online this morning. But what we want to do is invite you to come down and be a part of what God is doing in Jackson, Missouri. Because God is up to some big things. And we'd hate for you to miss out on what God is getting ready to do here in Jackson, Missouri. Everybody else here, welcome. Thanks for coming. It's good to see you. Today we are going to be beginning a brand new series entitled Beyond Me. Can you get all the lights on for me? Beyond me, and our key passage we're going to talk about here in a second. How many of y'all notice that in life sometimes it's tough to keep pursuing whatever it is that you're trying to pursue? Today we're going to be talking about this topic, determination. Determination. Determination not only will take us places with God in life, but it will take us places in our own life as well. It can take you places on your job. It can take you places... So our first attitude we're going to be discussing, because the next several weeks we're going to be talking about four attitudes that can determine, make or break you basically, in your walk. And that first one is determination. Our key passage is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and it reads like this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for those that are here and those that are tuning online, God. I just ask that you will be with this message, Lord, that it will speak to those that are listening, that they will get out of it exactly what you have for them to receive this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about attitude. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in life our attitudes aren't necessarily in the right place? You ever get up for work, maybe, and you're getting ready to start the day, and it's Monday, and you had the weekend off, and then all of a sudden it's time to go back to that place you call work, and you find yourself struggling to get out of bed, maybe you hit the snooze one too many times, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, i got to hurry up, I'm going to be late for work. But then the week starts, right? And as the week goes, it gradually then wears off, and you're fine because here comes the weekend, and you're excited for the weekend again. But I hope that in our lives that we're not just necessarily living for the weekend. I hope that we have a purpose because God has a purpose. Let me go ahead and say that. He has a divine purpose for each and every one of you. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be discussing a woman named Ruth. And many of you may be familiar with her story. It is in the Old Testament. We're going to actually go through the book over the next four weeks and we're going to see what Ruth did, being an outsider, how she became to be one of the descendants in Jesus' bloodline and was able to, even in the bloodline of King David. So let's go ahead and talk about Ruth. We're going to go to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to start right there at the beginning this morning. And let's start talking about this word, determination. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Now it came to pass that in those days, when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. 
So this is taking place during the book of Judges in your Bible. This is during that time period somewhere this story takes place. That there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. So what had happened at this point is that Israel was in famine. Or Bethlehem was in a famine. And he had made a decision that he was going to take his family and go elsewhere to try to find food. Any of us would have made that likely decision, right? We would make decisions that were better for our family. But the point number one, and we're going to talk about it, is this. Determination is about making decisions. You can't sit there and not make any decisions in your life and expect to go anywhere with whatever it is you're doing. Whether it's got to do with God or work or anything, you've got to make decisions. And sometimes, if you're a leader, especially on the job, you have to make an executive decision to decide what direction. And what's the deal with making decisions? We never know if we made the right one until it happens, right? But that shouldn't keep you from making a decision. Well, what had happened here, and I want to talk about the meanings of these names. Because I think this is important to the story of Ruth. But first of all, let's talk about Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the meaning behind Bethlehem is House of bread. So it's a land of plenty of food. There's, it's a house of bread. Now check out what Moab means. I'm just, we're going to talk about it more in a second. Moab, when it gets to the root of what it means, is waste and nothingness. What? Well, let's talk about their names and we'll come back and talk about why I brought this up. Elimelech, his name means God is my king. Naomi. Her name means pleasant. So with names like that, now remember back in this day, your name is what you became. And if you were named, God is my king, then there's a good chance you're serving that God, right? Naomi, you're pleasant. You're a pleasant to be around. People love being around you. Check out the name of their sons. And it was almost like they were set up for destruction. But check this out. <clears throat> Malon means weekly or something along those lines. It's not exact, but it's something along those lines. And his brother's name, Killian, means sickly. Now, if my name is determining who I become, I don't know the reasoning behind what a woman like and Naomi made the decision naming their kids was. But it's almost like they're destined to get sick and die, right? We're going to find out what happens later. But at the same time, if you look at a Limelech's name, God is my king and Ruth's name, Pleasant, and they're living in the house of bread... Or Bethlehem, but all of a sudden the famine came up. And you all ever had that moment maybe in your life. Maybe not famine, but something comes along. Everything's going good. Things are going great. And then suddenly out of nowhere, life throws you a curveball. And all of a sudden, you're in the middle of a mess. And you're like, what the heck? And you've got to make a decision at that point. Are you going to look at the mess around you? Or are you going to push forward? We're going to talk more about that as we go. So what they have basically done in this story is go from the house of bread to waste or nothingness. Y'all ever made a decision that maybe took you from the house of bread to waste or nothingness? Even though at that moment there was a famine in Bethlehem, so it seemed like it would have been the right decision, right? To leave Bethlehem, take my family, get some food, and that way we can support the family. But if you look at the names, 
go from house of bread to nothing. Let's check out what Isaiah 41.10 says. Because you got to make a decision. That's the thing I want to teach you. You may not always know what that decision's outcome is going to be. And most of the time in leadership, you never know. You're just making a decision. And when that decision is made, whatever comes, you got to learn how to deal with whatever came from your decision. But check it out in Isaiah 41.10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This verse actually came to me a while back. I was going through some stuff, and I was getting a little bit discouraged. So I went in the morning. I got up real early because I couldn't sleep anyway. It was probably a Monday morning, just to guess, because... Monday, Sunday night seemed to be the night I don't get much sleep between the dogs and the kids. But I got up, I went in and go ahead and started getting ready early. And I just opened the, actually it was a God's Promise book. And I'm like, God, I need your help on this one. So I opened up and this was the first verse that came out. And I was like, wow, that's encouraging. I wrote it down and I magnetically stuck it to our fridge. And it's still there as far as I know to this day unless my kids have moved it. But he says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. If you've got strength coming from God, that makes you feel a little bit better, right? About whatever's going on. So these words were a great encouragement, as they should be for you, because whatever decision you make, because you got to make some, no matter what it is, whatever decision you make, God says, I am with you. I am your God. If you're one of God's children, he's going to strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you. His righteous right hand. Let's move on. We're moving on to verse 3 in Ruth. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left with her two sons. So God is my king is now dead. Pleasant is still there with her two sons, sickly and weak. Uh, that sounds different when you read it that way, doesn't it? But check out, check out what happens. Now they took wives of women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. Now, the book I researched these names out of actually said that Oprah's mother meant to name her Orpah, but actually got the letters mixed up, and it became Oprah. So the R and the P got switched. So I'm just an interesting thing to throw out there. But the, other, the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelt there about 10 years. Verse 5 says, Then Malon and Killian also died. So the, women's, the woman, talking about Naomi, survived her two sons and her husband. Number two, point number two in your notes, if you're taking notes, is that determination is tested in trials. A lot of times stuff comes our way. God's just wanting to see how determined we are. How, are you, how determined are you that you're going to make it to where I've got you to go? He allows things sometimes to happen. Now, I'm not saying that's every time. But God, at some point, look at Job. God allowed things to happen to Job. He came out of the end stronger because he held out through the storm. But so determination is actually tested in trials. When it starts getting, what's the old saying? When the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? That's a true statement. When a storm in your life comes about and stuff starts happening around you, your reaction is going to determine your determination. How determined are you? But check out, let's go ahead and check out the ladies' names. Orpah means this, hardened and double-minded. Double-minded. Wow, that could be a broad range of things. So what I did was I Googled double-minded. Here's what Google had to say about the word double-minded. Wavering in mind, undecided, marked by hypocrisy, insincere. Anybody ever known anybody like this? 
stuff starts going, and you, you think you got a good partner on your side, but as soon as the tough stuff gets tough, they're the first ones out the back door. You turn around, and they're gone. You're like, well, where are they at? And then, now check out what Ruth's name. Her, her name's a little bit more pleasant, let's say. Her name means refreshment and friendship. What I want you to notice about the names is that it represents roads in our life. Because what has happened with Naomi and her husband, now that he's dead and his sons are gone, one, they went from house of bread to nothingness, right? Anybody ever been felt like you hit rock bottom? And then they're, but you know, I love the movie Sing, right? I sing it with my kids. But the little koala, when he goes up the little moon thing and shoots up, he says one thing to his friend. Remember what his friend said when he was getting ready to put on a show that he could not afford? He said, dude, you're going to have to call this thing off. And what did he say? You know what? The beauty of hitting rock bottom is the only other way to go is up. So let that be an encouragement to you wherever you're sitting this morning. Maybe you're in one of those spots where everything's going good and swell right now. But get ready. The storms are coming. Because the way I've learned in life is you either just got out of the storm you're going through a storm or you're getting ready to go through a storm because life is always throwing us curveballs. Check out what Philippians 4 says, verses 11 to 13. It says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This is Paul talking. Verse 12 says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Then the verse that all of us know comes into play, right? Because a lot of times we want to use that verse everywhere. But really there was a context Paul was getting at. Basically he's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is he saying there? He's saying that no matter what situation I'm in in life, no matter what it looks like, I've learned to be poor, I've learned to be rich, I've learned to be hungry, and I've learned to have a full belly. But no matter what state I'm in, I've learned to be content. So if I'm in the hungry stage right now, and I'm hungry, and I don't know when the next meal's coming, then guess what? I'm content there as well as when I've got plenty of food and I'm ready to go. So Paul's encouraging us there because he's saying that through Christ, we can do everything that may come our way. Roman, or Ruth chapter 1, continuing where we left off, verse 6 says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. It's talking about Naomi. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Let's keep reading. We'll come back to it. Verse 7. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, each of you return to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Verse 10 says, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. So right now, both of them are on board. Remember, what's, what's Orba mean though? She's undecided. She doesn't, she doesn't know. She's kind of kind of like this generation. Well, there's no certain truth. You're just kind of everywhere, right? No, there's one truth. There's got to be one truth or there's no truth, all right? There's got to be an ultimate truth somewhere that we're setting our standard by. But here's point number three, and we'll talk more about it. Determination is about moving forward. 
Naomi is in a mess. She's lost her husbands. She's lost her sons. Now, understand that in that day, when you lost your husband and you didn't have any males left in the family, you stood a chance of losing all your land, everything that you had owned, because they were the ones that inherited. Because in that day, the women were not thought that highly of, let's just say it that way. So Naomi, if she doesn't have a kinsman redeemer, which is just a guy that can inherit and take on her husband's keep going with it. We'll talk more about that next week and as we get or as we go throughout this series. But know this, that in that day, when you lose a husband and your sons and all the males are gone, it doesn't look good for you. And this is where Naomi's at. She's kind of hit rock bottom. Now we realize if we go back to the beginning of the story, that they made a decision to leave the house of bread because at that point, things weren't looking so hot, right? Kind of like us when life's going good and then all of a sudden things don't look so hot. So we make a rash decision. You ever heard that term, rash decision, in the moment when you're aggravated and then you regret that decision later, maybe? So then they went to the wasteland or, the, or nothingness. So now what she has heard is while she's sitting here in nothingness, she has heard that, guess what? In the house of bread, God's blessed them again with some food. So I'm going to go back. And she decides she's going to go back. Anybody ever know anybody that hops around like that? We got a lot of church hoppers. I'm going to say church hoppers. Church hoppers nowadays. And we've talked about them before if you're here. They go from this church to that church to this church. They're looking for an emotional experience or something to happen. And they're just jumping around everywhere. And all of a sudden, oh, oh, they're back. God's back over here. So they go here. No, no, you need to be able to settle yourself somewhere. Wherever God has called you to be, you need to settle. Because the only way you're going to be able to grow in your determination is the attitude we're talking about today. But in with God is if you settle somewhere where you can get the training that you need. If you're constantly hopping, then you're not rebuilding any relationships anyway. The pastors don't know you. The people don't know you. That you're come and go. They don't know how committed you are. So see, it takes that commitment thing. That C word, commitment, in this world, we notice there's not a whole lot of that. The commitment? Really? Not going to commit? Dude, we have even got Charter used to be Spectrum now. Even companies like that that offer you a no contract, quit whenever you want. There's no commitment, right? You've seen those exercise gym signs. $15 down or $15 a month, no commitment. You can quit anytime, right? Because that's the attitude of this generation. There's no commitment. And because there's no commitment, we're going to be talking about commitment more over the next few weeks. But let's read Hebrews chapter 4 before I get off track too much. Verses 14 to 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. In other words, stay strong no matter what it looks like. For we, have not, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are. He's talking about Jesus. He's been tempted in every way that we are. This is what makes him stand out with all the other gods back in the day. But check it out. It says, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. But you got to be committed to something. If you're going to do this God thing, it takes a commitment. It's not just about showing up on Sunday mornings, or even not. You're tuning online and you haven't been to church in a while. I'm sorry, that's just what I've been given. You need to find a church home. You need to find a fellowship. You need to find a place where you can begin to grow. Because that no commitment thing, that's the attitude of the generation, and it will take you nowhere. 
You're sitting around without, first of all, we talked about making decisions, right? If you've not made any decisions and you're just sitting there, you're not going anywhere. But if you're making decisions, regardless of fear of the outcome, then we move forward. Ruth chapter 1, continue where we left off, says, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Now remember, at this point, before we read this next part, both of them have agreed to go back, right? But remember, what does Orpah mean? She's undecided. She's, if it's good, I'll go with you. If it's not, eh, I'm going to go back this way, right? So if it looks better over here, that's where I'm headed. But check it out. There's no commitment there. Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Now, this is basically Naomi giving a final plea to them. Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Because, see, the tradition says that if the brother dies and there's another brother alive, he's supposed to take on that family. That's part of the deal. So he take on to carry on the family name. But check it out. Moving on. Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old. Basically, she's saying, I don't have any babies. I'm old. There's none in my womb. Even if there was, are you really going to wait for them to grow up and then marry them? I don't think so. So she says, turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, and if I should have a husband tonight, and should also bear sons... Tonight, basically, is what she's saying. Would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Verse 14 says, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Now, here's where you find out, or the old saying, where the rubber meets the road. This is where you find out who's committed, who's not. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. She left, basically. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth has a commitment. She's committed to Naomi no matter what. Determination, point number four, determination is persistent. There's that word persistent. We talked about that last week. We talked about persistence and being persistent. In things. Seeking the Holy Spirit was the topic last week. This week we're talking about being persistent on whatever it is that either God has given you or whatever it is that you're doing. You need to be persistent or constantly pursuing after that thing. And that word actually means in spite of the circumstances. Philippians 3, <coughs> going back to Philippians, once again, Paul talking. Verses 13 to 14 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind... And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying here? Paul had a heck of a path. If you've studied anything about Paul, Paul was the same guy. Yeah, he wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. But also, he's the same guy that was persecuting Christians. Seeing them killed, having a hand in all of that. So he, if anybody's going to be guilty about something, he's got a reason to feel guilty because he was a part of that. But what did he say? He says, I'm forgetting what's behind me. This is really what's going on with Naomi here. She's got to move past it. She hasn't yet. You notice the way she's talking to these girls. Oh, she has no hope. She basically was telling us that. She's lost it. She's lost all her hope because she's lost any inheritance she feels that she could have ever had. But Ruth says, you know what? I know things look a little bit rough right now. But I'm with you. Now check out what Ruth has to say. We're going to read this. We're going to wrap this up. Ruth chapter 1, verse 15 to 22 says, She said, Look, your sister-in-law, this is Naomi talking, has gone back to her people 
to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, now here's the, this is the type of people every pastor would love to see in the church. The ones that are committed to what's going on. She says, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Check out verse 18. Now, just knowing from a human standpoint, at this point, I'm sure that Ruth, and just what she has said, has given some encouragement to Naomi. It doesn't say that. But think as a human. When you're down and everything's wrong, all it takes is one person sticking behind you and saying something positive and keeping you going forward. That gives you maybe that little boost of spirit that keeps you pressing forward. But here's what, let's continue reading there, verse 18. She says, when she saw that she was determined, there's that word, what we've been talking about all day, determination, to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. In other words, she quit trying to convince her not, and she said, okay, let's go. Now the two of them went till they came to Bethlehem, and it happened that when they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, now these are the women that were Naomi's friends years ago when she lived in Bethlehem. And they come up to her and what they say? Is this Naomi? Now check out her response. Tell me if this doesn't sound like you sometimes when you get down, right? Naomi is having a pity party basically. But let's see what she says. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. What did Naomi mean? It meant pleasant, right? She says, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara actually means bitterness, bitter, sad. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Anybody y'all ever felt like God is the one out to get you? He's not. Let me tell you that now. God is not out to get you. God loves you. But what got Naomi and her husband and her sons in the mess? Now, I don't know health-wise what happened with her sons. I don't really, it doesn't even say what happened to Elimelech. But what happened is they made a decision to leave, once again, the house of bread. That decision took them to nothingness. Remember we talked about the meaning of the names? I'm not saying the names, I'm saying what they mean. When they get to nothingness, now that they've chosen, what they do, they made a choice. This is where we went. We went from house of bread because things weren't looking so good at that point, and we went back to, but check out how, and you're going to see this over the next few weeks, how God's plan, even though you may mess up royally, God can always bring it around for good. We're going to talk more about that over the next few weeks. I'm not going to try to get ahead of myself, but it says, um, the Lord has afflicted me. So at this point, she's thinking God's out to get her. I'm down. I'm out. Verse 22 says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. That's going to be important as the story continues. We'll talk more about that later. But let me just say this. Determination never lets go. That's the fifth point. It doesn't give up. It keeps pursuing. Whatever it is. Can I tell you that Moabites were not highly looked upon by the Israelites? Hmm. They're one of the enemies. 
Remember, if you read your Old Testament, they were one of the ones they fight with and fought with in the wilderness when they were fighting all the battles, when they were trying to take back. They were not, and so Ruth is from there. But because she was willing to submit to what God had for her and move forward with Naomi, and I'm sure it started with her love for Naomi. They had probably built a relationship, a relationship to her that was worth keeping and leaving her entire family behind. We don't really know where her family was, but she left everything she knew. Her gods, because yeah, they had false gods, everything. That's why when she talked to Naomi, she said, your God will be my God. This was all new to her. But she made a decision. So this is why we think building relationships is so important. Because those relationships are what's going to pull the people to God. Uh, but Mara met bitterness. So at this point, and I realize that's a strange place to wrap it up, but that's the end of chapter one. But at this point, Naomi's like, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me bitter. Any of y'all ever known a bitter person? Bitter turns to hatred, and they just become mean old hags. I'm just saying. And that can reach inside of you, and as that bitterness grows, it turns to anger, it turns to hate. You gotta be willing to let that go. Now, as the story goes, it changes, but we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. Let me conclude this up with the last verse here, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This verse is 57 and 58. It says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. No matter what you're going through, Paul says, hold out, be steadfast, immovable. You've got to have yourself rooted in something. What's the old song? And there's really some meaning behind the old song. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. A lot of truth in that song. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything that comes along. You're going to be blowing wherever the wind blows, and this is where we're going, right? you got to stand for something. At this point in the story, Naomi is ready to give up, but Ruth determined, she was determined to live this thing and walk this thing out with her. No matter what was coming, she had no idea. That, and who knows what type of a greeting she had. If they found out she was Moab from Moab, they might have just, you know, treated her a little awkward, right? Because once again, they were at one point enemies with Israel. So, today I want to wrap this thing up by giving you an opportunity. Now, we're going to be continuing to talk about attitudes over the next few weeks. Um, the fourth normal week, actually, I'm going to go ahead and say it, March 31st at 10 a.m., I will have a speaker here at Next Level Freedom Church friend of mine. Her name is Tasha Hart. She is an author. She's written three books. She's finishing up the fourth one. She'll be here to share with us on March 31st. There'll be one break between this series. But other than that, I'm excited about that. I want to invite you, if you're sitting out there listening to us or if you're here, to come and be a part of that because if you miss it, you're going to miss something awesome. I know you are because she's got a testimony and I've read one of her books where she shares pieces of it. So she's got that she has had moments of hopelessness, as we all have, and she'll be here to share with us. So I want to encourage you to come to that. Right now, though, if you're sitting out there looking at me and never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where this whole thing starts. The whole journey starts there. If you've never been saved, you've got to, the Bible talks about repenting. We talked more about this last week. Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And he said that the promise, and you should be filled with the Holy Spirit, he said that promise was not just for certain people, it was for everybody. 
So it's for you as well. Repenting simply means make a 180. You go one direction, you're turning to go another one. In this case, you're turning from your own ways and selfish desires, and you're following what God has for your life so that you can reap the blessings of the harvest God has for you. But if you simply say a simple prayer, something like this, it says, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all of my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. It doesn't even have to be those words exactly. Basically, the Bible says that if you believe Jesus died and rose again, you shall be saved. It takes a decision. One of the first points we talked about today. A determined decision. Because you got to be determined if you're going to walk this thing out. Because it's not always going to be easy. Determination. you got to make a decision to follow God. All right. So it's not really about a feeling. It's about a decision. I've said that to some people this week as they were Facebooking me. It's really salvation is a decision to follow. It's not a feeling of getting high. But anyway, thank you for tuning in. If you're tuning in online, I appreciate you being there. Tune in next week. We're going to, talk, we're going to continue this series. We're going to be talking about the next attitude that can help us. It can either make or break us in life. So God bless. We'll see.